0: You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church.
1: You know, of a lot of things, there's a lot of reasons we don't want them to quit. But if you think that because a young person promised you they wanted to do something, they changed their mind, that they have to stick with it for years and years and years, you might need to check and see if maybe that's more about you than it is about them.
2: Uh, The chances of getting a college scholarship in any sport are actually pretty tiny. Very Uh, small, yeah. The chances of standing before God one day are 100%.
0: Because I would suggest that at at the most basic level, when we're thinking about extracurricular activities, sports, hobbies, whatever we're thinking about for our children and our families, I hope at the most basic level, we're having fun.
1: This is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my lovely co-host. First, the captain of the Family Discipleship Podcast water polo team, Cassie Bryant. How are you doing, it, Cassie? I'm so glad you chose a sport that I know the most about. Well, I know that you're a huge fan of American water polo. So. I know
3: that they have to be in the water. I don't know what water. Salt water? Pool water? Uh, that's in a swimming pool. That's a swimming pool sport. See, I know things.
1: It'd be <laughs> exciting if it was done in salt water, like a, if you involve sharks in water polo. That would actually maybe that would be a sport I would watch if there were. I feel a-
3: like dolphins might be the most athletic of the the water
1: animals you think dolphins (laughs) are the most athletic that's your hot sports opinion that's
3: (laughs) Um, i think because they can like play with they're smart and they can play with balls and stuff right or is it oh for
1: sure yeah 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 dolphins are the most athletic of all the sea creatures i I feel like we are have to cut all
3: this i sound not smart
1: (laughs) no are you kidding me we're keeping all that that's gold (laughs) okay great of course cassie here with us is the griffin golf academy for women's coach of the year award winner that's legit Mrs. Chelsea Griffin, how you doing today, Chelsea?
2: I'm <laughs> um, good. For this episode, I think I'd like y'all to call me Coach. If you coach, okay, good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or MVP or something like that. Uh, that's great.
3: Does she have a golf academy
2: for women coach of the year award? Yeah, it was given to me by my husband after I taught some women how to play golf. Yes, yeah. I love it.
1: She was the only coach, but she deserved an award. She did a great job at it. She's a fantastic golf coach.
2: Doesn't she also coach the Griffin men?
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, we're, we're like not
2: here to talk about my authority to teach men, Cassie. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's next season. <laughs> uh,
1: speaking of men who are authoritative and great coaches, yes. guys, our good friend Steve Yay! is on the episode Woo! with us. Steve,
0: Steve. This guy. Aww. The real coach. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. Thank you, guys, for having me.
1: Uh, we're so glad you're here, Steve. Uh, Steve is uh, one of my dearest friends in the entire universe, and he also happens to be an amazing athlete a world-class athlete, a incredible coach. <laughs> he coaches the, uh, really the Lake Highlands Raiders, the uh, the flag football team that my son is playing on for his third year. Incredible coach. I'm looking forward to getting into it. Um, Steve, uh, we didn't tell you this, but we thought this would be kind of appropriate, but Chelsea's going to be a little bit distracted tonight. Chelsea, what are you doing right there? What are you working on?
2: Oh, I ju- I'm good, though. I just wrapped up my the 15th round of my fantasy draft.
1: Okay, so fantasy football draft just ended. Yeah, we're good. Now we have your full attention. Yes,
2: I'm, I'm uh, undivided.
1: Okay, great. Steve, Steve, how do you feel about fantasy football and the uh,
0: attention-grabbing that it does <laughs> for young men? Yeah, fantasy football is an interesting thing because it's a fantasy world, and it's not yep. real. And um, I don't want to offend anybody, but I've just never uh, liked it or enjoyed it. And to spend so much of my time wishing for people that I don't know to perform a certain way uh, it's just hard for me to get behind. <laughs> well, I think it's a lot of innocent fun.
1: Let's talk about it. <laughs> let's get let's get into the debates. Here we go, sports debates. But for real, let's get started. Steve, I told our listeners just a little bit about you, but would you introduce yourself? Tell us about your family, your ministry, a little bit about your sports resume.
0: You bet. Well, once again, thank y'all for having me on the podcast. Um, it's my honor to be with you. I'm, I'm married to Kathy. We've been married for 15 years and we live in Dallas. I'm on staff at Eastside Community Church, where Pastor Adam is the lead pastor. And it's been Woo! just a, an absolute joy for me to be in full time ministry. Before I joined the church in full time ministry, I was on the football coaching staff at SMU for 12 years. So, right here in Dallas, I was on a college football coaching staff. Doing recruiting and player development and football operations and anything that I could do to help support and serve that organization. Got to do that for 12 years. And that was a real thrill for me. It was a, it was a dream job. And, uh, fortunately I've had two dream jobs in my adult career uh, and I'm yeah. occupying one of them right now. Prior to, great. prior to being at SMU, uh, my wife and I were both college athletes at the University of Texas. I played football and she played volleyball and uh, we both just had the most. Uh, tremendous college experiences. For me, it was really a dream come true to get to play football at UT. And um, anyway, I I love college football. It's my favorite sport. Uh, On Saturdays, you can catch me uh, either at a game in person or uh, watching games on TV or or coaching flag football myself.
1: Yeah, that's right. I love it too. I love football. I love uh, you and your wife. Both D1 athletes have produced some incredibly athletic kids. You're an athletic dad. You're you're perfect for this topic we got to walk through today because you've both been there as an athlete. You have to process it as a parent. You've seen things as a coach, and of course, you're an incredible pastor. So I'm I'm so glad you're joining us for this. And I, you know, um, I may have talked to you about this already, Steve. But our theme for this fall, we're going to talk about kind of the countercultural aspects of maybe the way, maybe a simple way to say it would be how Christian families are going through sports, I hope, in a different way than a family that's not Christian. And I want to get into that. But before we get into that, share with us maybe, what are some of the benefits of sports for kids? Why sign up at all? Why why would it benefit a kid? You've been involved in sports. You have your kids involved in sports. What are the benefits of extracurriculars as far as discipleship go? I mean, are we anti-scholarship? Are we anti-extracurricular? Who who are we, Steve? Are we anti-fun?
0: I hope not. I hope not. I'm glad you said that at the very end, because I would suggest that at the at the most basic level, when we're thinking about extracurricular activities, sports, hobbies, whatever we're thinking about for our children and our families, I hope at the most basic level, we're having fun. This should be yeah. fun. I mean, our kids should love it, and I hope our families love it, too. But if we've got kids that are participating in sports or band or any other extracurricular activity and they're not enjoying it or they're not having fun, we need to reconsider whether we should even have them in it at all. And so at its most basic level, surely I hope that it's going to be fun. I think sports are incredibly fun. So does my wife. And so we've raised up our children to also enjoy these same types of interests. Um, And so it's got to be fun. Uh, Beyond beyond being fun... I would hope that there's also going to be some benefit uh, physically and mentally and socially in terms of being involved in these types of activities. I think it's going to be really great for kids' development. And, I mean, there's a whole host of, of life lessons that are going to come from participation in sports specifically that I think would be really, really great for young kids. Yeah, and I can testify
1: that as a coach, you invest in the kids that you're coaching and you point to those life lessons all the time. You're trying to build respect in these kids, toughness in these kids, and you are trying to help them have fun. And part of having fun is winning. That's exactly right. But we also are not the people that say if we don't win, then we, uh, we go home crying, complaining and yelling at referees. I'll be honest, there have been moments where I've been really upset more with parents than with referees, even at a uh, young kid's sports matches. And in Texas, if you're listening to this somewhere else, you may not know the culture here. Youth sports is a very serious deal to some parents. And I have literally uh, passive-aggressively yelled out, we are all having fun Mm -hmm. here. During games where I hear parents <laughs> yelling and screaming at kids and reps. Can we hear that tone? I've just again? been so overwhelmed with emotion. I'd like to hear
3: the passive aggressive tone.
1: Well, That's it good. literally went like this: We are all having fun. <laughs> <laughs> just <to> like <laughs> just to try to like remind everybody why we're That's there. Right. But I don't know what to say. I don't want to get up and reprimand a group of parents and say, Hey, maybe you could stop yelling at the refs and your own children and mm. coaches. Maybe you could stop terrifying these kids. I know that you're you feel like your job and your respect is on the line, but they are literally eight years right. old. Maybe you could call them. Down.
3: Or younger. When I was in high school, I refed little bitty like pee-wee soccer because it paid well on Saturday mornings. And it was parents we were having to <laughs> sideline. We were like, Okay, you're gonna need to go over here because you're yelling. Yeah at the kids, or they would start yelling at another parent. It was awful.
1: It was so bad. Yeah, I want to get more into that here in a minute, because Steve actually gives a really good talk to parents about, hey, if anybody needs to talk to the referee, I will do it. Let the coach do it. Parents don't need to do it. I think it's excellent. But before we get to that, you guys may not know this, but my wife, Chelsea Griffin, who's here with us, has her own incredible sports resume. She really is a very gifted athlete, great coach, and she's got a a lot to offer this conversation. Chelsea's an incredible golfer, but she's good at pretty much everything she does, so that's no surprise. Chelsea, would you share with us for just a second, I love when you you give like a two-minute version of why golf is good for kids, and this is not to sell golf, but extracurriculars in general. What is it about golf that you think uh, teaches kids that you love to see our kids learn?
2: So I used to coach high school golf at a big school here in Texas, and uh, one thing that I loved about golf is the way it forced kids to tolerate frustration in almost every sport, if you see kids, uh, if they're getting frustrated or chippy with people on the other team, sometimes they'll push and shove, maybe throw a punch, and refs or coaches will pull them apart, and they may get a penalty, and then they'll move on. And that's just not an option in golf. You don't really see that. And, and similarly, in other sports, if if a quarterback is having a bad game, just throwing several picks, um, if a pitcher is, is pitching um, – is walking everybody or they the other team's hitting home runs. They can just come and they can pull the pitcher out. But what I saw from coaching high school golf is I'd have my kids out there and it's just them. And if they hit their ball in the water, there is no one you can sub in. And so, I mean, sometimes yeah. you'll have a kid take a, I mean, a lot of times we play with a stroke limit that the highest number you could get on a hole is a nine. And sometimes kids will end up taking a nine from the T and And then they have to hold their head high and walk to the next hole and try again. And most rounds of high school golf are around five and a half hours. And so it's just, it's really grueling mental work um, to tolerate what's frustrating when the wind blows, uh, when something just feels like a little unlucky or unfair. um, The kids just have to find a way to tolerate it and to keep on going and to get through the round and it was really tough i mean yeah. sometimes kids are walking down the fairway with, with tears rolling down their cheeks um, but there's nobody to sub in they just but i'll tell you i saw the character come through from those events it would be a long hard day for them a lot of times these are two-day events so if they had a really bad day you actually had to get up at five in the morning and do it again the next day for another five or six hour round of golf um so i i saw kids just grow mature maturity wise it was off the charts.
1: Yeah. I love uh, some of the things I've heard you say before you talked about that wind. I love the way you talk about when a kid wants to complain about the wind, you remind them that like every player out here has the exact same wind. So this is not that, like the playing field is even, or you talk about how in golf, uh, the the integrity of the game. You have to verify the other team's score. So if you think somebody else is cheating or shaving strokes, you have to stand up and say the coach doesn't do it. Nobody else is there to do it. There's no referee standing there to do it. You say no. You said you had a four, but you had a five, and you have to be able to do things like that. And of course, it teaches you respect. It teaches you to be gentlemanly or ladylike. And there's a lot of things to love about that. And that's true about Golf, I love what uh, Steve was talking about. A a lot applies to the sports that were played in his family growing up. Football for him, volleyball for his wife. To be a good teammate, to listen well to your coaches, to learn to deal with frustration, to learn how to lose graciously and to win graciously there are so many great lessons in extracurriculars and sports. So I wanted to establish that because I do want to talk about some of my concerns about kind of the sports culture, but I want the foundation here for everybody to hear us saying, man, there's something really beautiful about it. Nobody is going to be telling you, hey, if, this is, um, if sports are inherently evil in some way, that, that's not us. But I do think there are some sinful... Uh, reasons people are involved in sports. Certainly, there's sin unfold display. We've already talked about a little bit, those kind of things. Uh, Cassie, you've been around a lot of families for a long time. You guys been involved in schools. You've worked at the church. What are some of the sinful, concerning motivations you see for families that are getting involved in extracurriculars?
3: I don't know that I've experienced it starting out as sinful motivations. I think there's always like it starts off with like really good intentions, whether it's to get to know their community or to get to know more families like at the church, if it's a church league or if it's at the school for school league, that type of thing. Um, I think where it, where our motivations get twisted or perverted or when we um, start to, it's when I start to see like families give so much of their time and energy to something. Right. Or when they start yeah. to just have expectations of their children that are unrealistic. And, and so if they're you know, three nights a week to a sport when their kids are six years old or
0: yeah.
3: the proportions are off at a very early age of the time spent doing something and, and what it communicates to the rest of the family about your priorities as a family and, and as parents. And so I don't know that I've seen it start off really poorly, especially, I don't know, maybe I just don't become aware of it until it's something where it's like, this is maybe an issue because it's come to my attention.
1: No, I do think there's something, maybe even initially, where a parent feels like their reputation is on the line. They need they need the kid to do well because uh, it's going to reflect poorly on the parent if they don't, so they've got to get them into things. That's true, or yeah. They they need this kid to, to be different. You want to train them to be different, and the only way I can get you to change from the kid you are is to enroll you in something, to toughen you up or to make much of me i'll tell you i have overheard a conversation that chilled me to the bone between a mom and what had to be a six or seven year old girl where the girl was just weeping saying she didn't want to be in dance anymore and the mom was saying well you have to because you promised me you would the girl was going i hate it i don't want to be in dance and the mom said well you promised me you would do it until you were 14 and so you have to do it and i just wow gosh this poor girl And I get it. We don't want kids to be quitters, you know, of a lot of things. There's a lot of reasons we don't want them to quit. But if you think that because a young person promised you they wanted to do something, they changed their mind, that they have to stick with it for years and years and years, you might need to check and see if maybe that's more about you than it is about them. I'll tell you, though, there are, um, in the choices of of sports as well. I think there's a godly way to choose not which sport to play, but maybe how and which teams. And I'll tell you, I've been really proud of the teams that our kids have been a part of, partially because many of them have been coached by men like Steve. Steve prays with our kids. He talks to them about Jesus. This is not a private Christian school team. This is a this is a city league team. He just says, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a coach. And I'm to we praying with you guys? And we pray before we get out there. He teaches them about he, he doesn't allow ungodly language, ungodly activities. And so it's, it's another man coming alongside me in that. And I'll tell you, I've had a lot of trepidation about asking any other coach to be a part of the Griffin family Life because I've seen Steve do it so well that I man I don't I don't want a coach that's going to scream at my kids I don't want a coach that's going to treat my kid like his job is on the line therefore he needs my kid to perform and I've seen a lot of bad coaching and the truth is we already got into this I've seen a lot of bad parenting from the sidelines and and around it and certainly the way they've harassed coaches and referees Steve you and I have talked about the shortage of referees in youth sports which is tied directly to the abuse they suffer for such little pay to be out there just to try to serve families and kids. Steve, I know you have firsthand witnessed bad behavior in parents. What kind of stuff are you seeing that concerns you? I
0: see it all the time. And in any of us who have children playing youth sports, you see uh, parents that are um, really over the top when you come to the sporting event. And – uh, Pastor Adam, you got to hear me give my preseason speech to our parents last week that, just like you said a while ago, that uh, if anybody needs to communicate with an official, it'll be me. I'll be the one that gets to yeah. be the person. In- that includes players, too. I don't want the kids talking to the official. That's not their job. Sometimes officials are going to make mistakes. That's because they're human. And oftentimes yeah. they're young uh, teenage kids just trying to serve us by doing those jobs. And so I want everybody, as best as we can, just keep our mouth shut to respect those guys and uh, really to honor them and, and and treat them with such kindness and respect. And I think the way that uh, we communicate to officials, this is just a, a sidebar, but the way that we communicate to officials and the way that our parents on the sidelines are communicating to officials, we're teaching our children how to interact with those young men or young women that are officiating a game. And so when those uh, boys or young girls become adults and you wonder why they're yelling at officials, it's because they've watched their coaches and parents do it their whole lives. And so I want us to be so different. I want us to be Gracious and kind, and like I said, sometimes they make mistakes. And as I've heard many coaches say before me, sometimes you have to win in spite of the officiating, and that's okay. Yes. That's part of the game. And uh, so that's that's definitely something that I see uh, that that is troubling. Uh, another thing that I would say, Cassie touched on this a while ago. It's just this idea of, of families who are idolizing sports and putting it yeah. in a place that is totally unhealthy. And totally unfair to their children and unfair to their family. It's when they uh, place sports in a place that only the Lord belongs. And yes, and, and we've learned from experience, learned the hard way, that when you elevate something that is not God into the place where God belongs, eventually that thing is going to disappoint you. Yeah, it's going to let you down. It's going to crumble, and it's going to uh, leave you. Uh, floundering in life because you've placed so much hope, so much identity, so much value in this thing that is not meant to be worshiped like the Lord. And so when we place sports or band or music or our fitness or our wealth in a place that's eventually going to disappoint us, then uh, I have great concerns for that. So I want to be careful that we don't delve into that.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of, uh, you know, when the Lord says, what good is it if you gain the whole world, but you forfeit your soul? And I tell you, I've I've listened to a lot of Hall of Fame speeches from the athletes who did it better than anybody else, and many of them are rooted in apologies to their families or saying, wasn't it all worth it? The dad was never around because, look, he finally has his his head enshrined somewhere. Uh, Cassie, this is a great segue to what I want to ask you about. Why, why is sports an important issue for us when we're talking about discipleship? Like, what does it have to do with a family's spiritual life?
3: Well— I think it comes back to Deuteronomy 6, which we talk about often on the podcast. Deuteronomy 6, when it says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then it goes on to talk about as you go. And I just think about, you know, as you walk, as you eat, as we do all the things. And we've talked about this in previous seasons, but that means also as we participate in our extracurriculars. And so we don't get to compartmentalize our faith or our discipleship of our children. And so we're not saying, you know, don't do sports. We're just saying don't do it completely separate from discipling your children uh, in any extracurriculars that we're doing. Hopefully, if it's fun and if it is, there, it's also just filled with opportunity to point your children to the gospel and to rehearse the gospel and to talk about the things that... Um, you're talking about at the breakfast table or at bedtime or after a hard school day. And so I think it's how can sports then be incorporated into your family discipleship. And if it can't, or if you haven't figured out how to do that, then maybe just to make a plan before the next season starts back up. And, um, and it just, just, we're just asking families to be intentional with it, you know, and I'm guilty of that's hard to do. That's not an easy, you know, it, it, it presents itself for us most often when it's like there's a hard loss or there's an awkward interaction with a teammate or something that happens that you know affects my daughter and so she comes home you know really discouraged or um, or she's discouraged because her volleyball serve isn't where she wants it to be and you know and so I think it it comes up in our conversations just like it would anything else that she's doing whether it's recess or um, homework or whatnot but I think to think that it would be right. devoid of discipleship is where we would start to make mistakes and then it um and then it starts to creep its way into our hearts as that idol kind of what steve was talking about
1: Hey, friends, it's March, and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set, it's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. family 10 to get 10 percent off your entire order sometimes hard things happen sometimes they happen to children when god makes scribbles beautiful is a beautifully illustrated book that helps kids trust that god can take their hard things and use them for good this picture book imagines that the hard things in a child's life is a scribble following him everywhere Readers will journey through God's promises from the Bible, inspiring hope and faith in God's good and redemptive plan. Hard things don't always go away, but God can turn them into something beautiful. Available at BeautifulScribbles.com. Download a free Parent Connection Guide and printable scripture cards. I think uh, sports is such an incredible opportunity for discipleship. It really sets you up well. And uh, sports, in a very general sense, I mean, if we're talking about chess or we're talking about karate or we're talking about any kind of extracurricular that's going to involve challenge, and facing that challenge and trying to overcome it can be so good for kids. Chelsea, like I mentioned, you you coached high school sports. one of the things we haven't talked about much here in the sinful conversation is the idolatry of the scholarship as the justification for why people do all kinds of things that maybe we would look at from the outside and say, man, that's that's a lot. you're you're dedicating a lot of your life to something. Have you seen any of that idolatry of the scholarship? Does any of that concern you? Um sure.
2: I mean, I think a couple things about that. One, we need to be rooted in reality and um, and in God's promises, right? And so, uh, the chances of getting a college scholarship in any sport are actually pr- pretty tiny.
1: Very uh, small, yeah. The
2: chances of standing before God one day are 100%. <laughs> yeah.
1: Those are good statistics. That's yeah, these these
2: statistics. numbers don't That's lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I want to train up our boys as a church. I want us to train up our kids to think about things that are definitely going to happen, that everybody is going to come before the Lord, that everybody is going to face a physical death one day, uh, that we're going to give yeah. an account for our life, and that... There's a lot of blessings that we can't take with us into the next life, as well as discipling our children to see that there is a worldly narrative about success and what it is to be successful. And for a lot of parents in certain neighborhoods, it is successful to go to college and college causes debt and debt is not successful. So we got to have college for free. And it's this whole like framework that, that we can gain security from our talents or our money that if we save the money from college that that makes us more secure and that's just a lie it's a, it's a total lie yeah. and i've seen even parents kind of get their hearts wrecked by kind of training their making their kid a professional athlete from a young age where it's their job and there's a lot of pressure and a lot of anxiety and then around like the end of sophomore year maybe the beginning of junior year is when the kid says i actually don't want to play college soccer right and the parents yeah. come to the coach and they say, You got to help me. She's saying she doesn't want to play college soccer. And if you have a godly coach or a coach uh, who maybe isn't insane, they're going to say, Oh, okay. Well, if she doesn't want to. Then I guess, you know, she shouldn't yeah. if she doesn't want to do it. And the parents lose their mind and say, No, no, no. Mm. Th- we have to have this. We planned on this. And I made all these sacrifices and I, like, I paid in and now, like Steve said, like now I'm being disappointed, right? I worshiped my idol and I made sacrifices to my idol Mm -hmm. and now my idol's not coming through and no one is able to help you there, you know? And so tons of concerns there, concerns too, where you see an insecurity in mom or dad where they're thinking they're going to finally feel good if their child accomplishes a certain thing. Right. And that puts such a painful weight on the child That's that right. it's difficult to recover from. So uh, in these cases, sports are steering us away from getting more of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know yeah. if we're going to have a real—if any of our kids are going to be real talented, but if they are, I'm so eager um, to tell them that no matter what— um, the only security we have in this life, the only hope we have is Jesus Christ. That's our hope. Yeah. Uh, but I would hate for their, their hopes or dreams to be shattered one day by a torn ACL uh, but, or, or a broken yeah. arm. Like we can't put our hope in something like that. That's yeah. insane. And I, I, I'm eager yeah. to keep our kids grounded.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's why I, I wanna talk to you, Steve, you about that. Cause I know one of your, your oldest son and not that your other children are not talented, but your oldest son is extremely gifted. And we could see him you know, having a scholarship one day, maybe and making a career out of athletics. That would be wonderful. That'd be great. And I think we do live in a culture where, ironically, people spend tons and tons of money In the name of saving money in college, we will spend not just money, but our time and our energies. And honestly, if we wanted to pay for college, man, if they had spent the same amount of time getting their kids into a job and getting them working, college might've been easier to come by than saying, man, practice every night of the week and games on Saturdays. And we're going to sleep in on Sunday because we're going to miss it. But Steve, how do you as a dad, uh, taking off your coach hat for a second, taking off your athlete hat for a second. How do you think about this commitment that families make to sports, uh, your commitment to sports? When you have a son that really has promise, really could do something with his skills, how, how do you navigate this as a dad with your family schedule and with the sports schedule?
0: Well, we've hopefully discipled our kids in, into this understanding that we hold sports very loosely in our family. Um, we We love athletics. We love competing. We love being a part of teams. All that's really wonderful. But that's not our hope. That's not our identity. That's not our value. That's not the things that we uh, cherish most greatly. And so we've tried to disciple them in these ideas. And so, Lord willing, uh, someday if something were to uh, occur with an injury or a lack of desire to play anymore or loss of opportunity to play, that our kids aren't going to be rocked to their core. Cause we try to yeah. raise them up and disciple them with this idea that sports are great. They're fun. We can glorify God with them. We can have a heck of a lot of fun with them, but that's not our identity. That's not our hope. Yeah. And so I've tried to, I've tried to train them up in this way. And we always want to keep a perspective on how sports fits into our family. Though we are a very sporty family, uh, we still prioritize time together, uh, throughout the week. So we're not at practice. Uh, seven days a week. We're sitting around the dinner table together talking about our day. We're trying to find time in the Word together discipling our kids. We're doing uh, family functions and events away from sports because we value uh, togetherness as a family. And sports is not all that we are, although that is an aspect of who we are. Uh, But additionally, I have to think about the way that we uh, uh, consider our church commitments and our faithfulness to the local church and how sports yeah. plays into that conversation as well, is one of the things we see in full-time ministry is uh, oftentimes the absence of families throughout busy sports seasons, uh, who will find time to uh, sacrifice in every way, to be at a tournament or a game or a practice, but the, an emphasis on getting into the Lord's house for the Sunday gathering just doesn't seem to be a real priority for a family. And uh, that's that's just concerning to me. Uh, the Bible. Yeah. What was that quote that you shared with me
1: this last week? Who said that something about uh,
0: yeah?
1: Get to church like a scholarship. Yeah, on the line I saw like
0: this that. quote on Twitter. It said, "Approach taking your kids to church like they might get a scholarship for it." And uh, I mean, we'll, wow. we'll, we'll get them to a baseball wow. tournament because yeah. the scholarship's on the line. But we won't take them yeah. to church with the same enthusiasm. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. that's just, that's disappointing. I mean, the Lord makes it very clear about his love for the church and, and, and the, the uh, conviction that we should have about gathering together with the saints. Hebrews 10 25 warns us to ne- not neglect meeting together. And so I want us as, as Christian parents who have kids in sports to make it a priority, not only to be in the Lord's house on Sunday, but at home group and our community group and uh, uh, engaging in serving the local church. I think these have got to be a part of the uh, critical, essential life of the believer. This has to be really important to us.
1: Yeah, when I uh, was a youth pastor, the first go-around, I was at a church that had a confirmation program, and so our confirmation program was every Wednesday night. And at the beginning of the year, I'd always give this talk to parents, and I would say, hey, I— are you going to have an extracurricular that's going to make you miss a night? You probably will. Your kid's in the band. Your kid's on a team. Your kid's got to travel for something. I get it. I, and I said, this is—I'm not going to hold that against you if you're missing sometimes to go do that. But I would always say, if you are in any way commuting, communicating to your child that what is more important than your spiritual life, or what is more important than your community of believers, that what is more important than the family of faith is that sport or is that activity, then you and I are not on the same right. page. Right. Well, you may miss a weekend at church because you have prioritized uh, your kid being a good teammate and they made state. And here we go. I get it. Those things may happen. But even in that, aren't there ways for you to gather for worship? Maybe go visit a church at the place you're going out of town. I know Chelsea, when she'd take kids on golf tournaments, she would take those kids to church at different places or she would tell them, hey, I'm going to go to church. And if anybody wants to join me, you can ask your parents, feel free to join me. But there are ways to still be a Christian and engage in sports. And while we don't have time to get into kind of the the witness your kids or your family might play in the community, I think that's an important aspect as well. But I, something we touched on earlier I want to get back to is when this good thing becomes an ultimate thing. Cassie, what are the, some of the maybe warning signs mm. of how a good thing like sports or dance or chess or anything like that, when it becomes an idol that threatens our commitment to God? What would be something that would make us notice that?
3: You know, I I love what Chelsea said about making sacrifices uh, for our idols, you know? And then when they let us down, we are like kind of left with this empty, empty worship, just a lack of satisfied loss of hope. We're dismayed. We're discouraged. And so uh, when I think about that, it makes me wonder like, what sacrifices am I making uh, for my kids to be in extracurriculars and are, is it worth it? Some sacrifices are worth it, you know, like not eating a homemade meal on Wednesdays because we have whatever, you know, that okay, I'll I'll sacrifice a homemade meal. We'll eat Chick-fil-A or whatever. And so like there are some sacrifices, they're gonna be worth it for the for the payout and for the developmental things and for the good things that we talked about, our kids being part of extra extracurriculars. But then there are some sacrifices where we're we're keeping our kids back from something that could have eternal Uh, eternal weight, whether it's like uh, being a part of a Bible study or being part of something that uh, either the church is doing or that you're doing as a family, whether it's consistent devotionals, that kind of thing, if you're sacrificing that in order to do it, then I think that's a good warning sign of like, wow, we are sacrificing so much to do this thing. Is it really worth it? Like asking ourselves, like, what is the cost to benefit ratio here uh, in terms of our sacrifice? I think about we've got a milestone trip coming up next year for our... Um, juniors and seniors, uh, the boys, our student uh, pastor is taking them on a way forward trip, which is like this backpacking trip in Colorado. I think you've
1: been at them, right? You've done a way forward trip? Okay. Mm-hmm, yep. And um, Steve and I did it together. We we shared a tent, <gasps> but that will be, that's a story for another okay. day. Okay. <laughs> uh, we
3: so bonded that night. We're going to take our upperclassmen <laughs> on this trip next summer, and there's a lot of uh, momentum behind this trip. They're really excited. They're going to raise support for it, and We're excited for this being a milestone for our student ministry, for um, upperclassmen to look forward to it. But we have a kid that is having to weigh, well, that means I'll miss this opportunity um, with an extracurricular that would, because of where he's at in school, would earn him a leadership role in that extracurricular. Mm -hmm. So he's having to decide, do I just throw that away after years of working towards it in order to do this way forward trip and be with my you know, my youth group and to have this kind of milestone together? Or do I, it's just like a really interesting position that he's in. And I'm, you know, we're obviously prayerful and uh his family is helping him navigate that, but it's just that that's the kind of thing. Yeah. Right. He's trying to decide what it's worth. And so I think we're facing those decisions every week and every season that, you know, whether it's right now we've got volleyball season for girls and football season. That's what season y'all are in for boys. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's basketball, I think in the winter and there's soccer, like there's, and so I think every season is asking, like, what are we sacrificing if we sign our kids up? And gosh, the more kids you have, the more you're sacrificing. Am I right? Like it's just gets yeah. more time consuming.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of what you just brought up is really helpful. Uh, I think one of the things we talk about in this podcast a lot is leading your home. And when it comes to sports you are still the leader in your home, and so these a lot of the issues around sports are typically not driven by the kids until they're maybe in high school. This, these are family driven by parents, uh, mainly. You're going to set the tone for how your kids think about extracurricular activities and why they're in them and what they're learning from them. And so it's really important, moms and dads, that you are thinking through. How, what are you communicating to these kids? Is there is your affection for them on the line on whether they win or lose and how the game goes? Is your ego on the line? Is your Are you making a financial investment that you're going to hold against your kids later? Is there bitterness and resentment? Are you so angry at coaches and referees that, man, you need to be like, Caged up, you need to be removed. I, we have friends who've been removed from several sporting events because they could not hold their temper from an umpire or a referee or an official, and so I, I know that life, and that's that's an embarrassing Mm. life. That's a that's it's hard, uh, but my, my commendation to you parents is that you would do whatever you have to do around sports without sin, Mm -hmm. that there is a way to do this without saying, I. In order to do this, I have to scream at somebody, right. lose my, harm my witness. Like I've seen that, where I've seen that from pastors mm-hmm. who are coaching, mm-hmm. not from Steve. Steve, this is not. Let's you. say, is, is your a, friend this is not in my the room? No,
3: <laughs> is this an intervention? Like
1: I've, I've seen people, and I've heard people tell me, like, oh yeah, I saw this pastor oh, from this no. other church. He was coaching this team. You wouldn't believe the kind of stuff he was saying and doing, and screaming. Oh man, yeah. what we want to do is be rooted in the Word of God and what the Lord has called us to be in every circumstance, including sports. And I know it is competitive, but we have to, have to be godly. Mm-hmm. In it. Chelsea, what what scriptures come to mind for you when you think about navigating this issue of being different than the rest of the world will be when it comes to sports?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of things come to mind, things Jesus said, things that are in the Proverbs. Uh, two, there's two verses that really stick out to me when I think about this topic. One of them is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and it says, all things are lawful for me but not all things are helpful all things are lawful for me but I will not be dominated by anything yes and so when you have a choice to make you go is this helpful is this good am I allowed to am I free and we say yes Christian you're free you're free to sign your kid up for five sports but is that helpful and are you being dominated by something something other than your hope in Christ and um, then we got to reconsider um, another verse that stands out that um I think about as it pertains to lots of stuff. Um, it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6, and it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. That's 1 Timothy six six, uh, And that phrase, I try to let that just stick in my head, that godliness with contentment. So whatever it is I'm pouring into, it might— Am I gaining godliness? The Bible says that's my, that that's a treasure is to have godliness and contentment. And we know from the scriptures, what Paul says, he says that contentment is a learned thing that, uh, it's not just something that you pray for and hope that God will give, but he says you learn contentment. You can learn to be content when you have enough or when you don't have anything. You can learn how to be content. And so to be content and to be godly, the Bible says, is great gain for us. And so to think yeah. about a future where we we might not have a college scholarship, can I be content? Can I learn to be content? Can I be godly? Can I trust the Lord with that? Uh, th- these are some yeah. of the questions that we want to ask ourselves and then model um that godliness and that contentment for our children to say that no matter how something plays out, we're going to chase after godliness and we're going to keep learning contentment.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked a little bit about our scholarship. I'm glad you brought that up again. It reminded me too, we haven't talked that much about the delusional child who believes this will be their professional career. And it is a hard thing as a parent to help your kid, see, knowing that they have a dream, that, hey, my dream is to play in the NFL or play in the NBA or play in the WNBA or play... Or be in the the ballet, or whatever their dream may be. And if you reach a point where you know that is not going to happen, to be a, to not be the one who maybe feeds the delusion, but also how do you be the one who's not like the dream crushing, anti fun or anti life parent? That is a hard place to be. But sometimes you have to be a truth teller in a world that's full of delusions that think uh, the really what we're chasing is glamour, or really what you're chasing, like we talked about before, is being cool in the eyes of the world. You think athletes are cool, so you want to be one of them. You think they make a lot of money, so you want to be one of them. And if your dreams are rooted in those things, gosh, we need to do more than just tell our kids they might not, um, might not be one of the few who make it. We might need to reveal to them, hey, the dream that you have might be rooted in something that actually would not be good for you. It might actually be a rescue to you, a redemption to you, to say, hey, it, there's probably something better the Lord has for you. Steve is a man who, who has coached and is is a coach and a man who's got incredibly athletic kids and your wife and you are such great athletes. When, when a parent out who's listening right now is thinking, well, how do I find a team or a coach or a sport that would be great for my family? What do you do when you want to evaluate whether or not it'd be a blessing to your family or
0: not? I, th- I think my answer to your question is going to sound a little bit contradictory because I am one of the most competitive people you'll ever meet. I mean, I absolutely want to win no matter what we're playing. I mean, if we're playing checkers or tiddlywinks or ping pong or whatever, I'm trying to win. And uh, I will take you down at tiddlywinks. Yeah. I will take you right yes, now, sir. digital tiddlywinks. Yes, sir. Let's get on. So I, I care very deeply about winning. And so I also want my children to be successful. I want them to be on winning competitive teams. However, I consider that to be way down the list of priorities for me when I'm thinking about who I want coaching my kids. In all fairness, I don't care if my kid's football coach knows whether that football is filled with air or filled with feathers. That's that's a low priority for me. I simply want him or them to be men who are investing into my son and speaking life into him and affirming him and building confidence in him and teaching him to respect himself and his teammates and the game and the officials and teaching him about hard work and perseverance and discipline and determination. These are the types of things that I want my coaches pouring into my kids. And so winning, yes, I want to win. I want my kids to win. That's very important to me. But it is way down the list for me in terms of what type of person I want coaching my kids. I want them investing into them, edifying them, speaking life into them, and helping my kids walk away from that game. who have, And and Lord willing, at the end of a season, they have fallen in love with that game even more than before the season started. Maybe they'll learn a little bit about football or basketball or soccer along the way. Maybe we'll win some games. Hopefully they've fallen in love with that game even more. But primarily, I want them to walk away uh, prepared a little bit more to be quality young men and quality young women.
1: Amen. I love that. I love in our city when uh, there's a Saturday soccer day and you see people from all these different churches in our church and all these people who don't go to church at all, don't care about God all together in the same spot, engaging in the same activity, it is such so beautiful that it brings our community together. and I love that people from our local churches are engaged in that. And I, I want us to be not just the parents who sign up, but the parents who sign up to lead. Now, lead and coach and be godly and pray with kids and, and prepare them and prepare them That's for good. life's challenges. And man, I, I love the godly coaches that are a part of our church. We have so many of them, the coach of basketball and football and our PE teachers and Man, they do incredible work. Steve, I'm grateful for you. I know you pour into men through athletics. You disciple men through athletics. I know you pour into your own kids through that. And I I love if we had all day, if people could only know the testimonies you have Hmm. of the way coaches and men have poured into your life. It's been significant. Thanks for being on with us. Before we let you go, though, Steve, would you mind sharing with us, are there any prayers that we can share for you with our listeners, any ways that our listeners can pray for the Stegall family?
0: Yes, yes, you can. My, my wife and I, uh, we've been really fortunate to have four kids over the last uh, 15 years of marriage, and uh, some of you who are familiar with our story would know that we had a really difficult summer, and uh, we've just been deal, dealing with uh, pain and loss and heartbreak as a family, And so we would just welcome and covet prayers for healing in our home and for our family right here that lives under this roof, um, but also for our extended family and our community and our church who are all grieving alongside us uh, from just a really tragic loss that we've experienced. Yeah,
1: thank you for sharing that, Steve. I um, I know you know this, but we love you so much. We're so grateful for you. And you have demonstrated in every way the way a godly person does not lose hope or trust in the Lord, even in the darkest of circumstances. That's right. Thank you, brother. Well, Family Discipleship listeners, thank you so much for listening today. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple your families, do us a favor. Give us a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. Visit one of our sponsors and share this episode with one of your friends. And if you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Man, we love you, listeners, and we are looking forward to all that God has for us. And we will uh, have a new episode out for you next Monday. Love you.